Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 167 of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Chris Berry joining us. He's a co-founder of the Green Block Group. He's done some really amazing stuff. He was actually part of the team that made Ohio the first state and one of the first governments in the world to accept cryptocurrency to pay for taxes, amongst other things. And he's also spent some time in Washington, D.C. I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. And as always, we hope you'll learn a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Congress, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know you have to choose it and yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Chris Berry joining us. And Chris, is a partner and co-founder of the Green Block Group, a strategic communications and innovation consultancy firm working with businesses, entrepreneurs, and organizations to build better products and get buzz doing it. Before co-founding the Green Block Group, Chris spent some time in politics and got his degree from Miami University here in Ohio. We're really excited to have him on the show today to talk about everything the Green Block Group has going on. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Chris. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on and we're real excited to Learn a little more about your story, what your background is. Typically, one of the first places we like to start is kind of taking a step back and talking a little bit about how you got to where you are today. So any highlights along the way, all the way from childhood, even through your career in politics, things that kind of 
led you down this path? Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll really back it up. I, uh, I'm not originally from Ohio. My family's not from here. Uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. And when I was young, my dad got transferred up to the Akron area. He's in the rubber chemical business. And so he sells, you know, stuff to tire companies. And Akron used to be the uh, capital, the rubber capital of the world. So we uh, moved up there when I was little and, and, you know, not born in Ohio. We don't have family here, but I was raised here and it really became home. And so grew up in Northeast Ohio. And then I went to school in Southwest Ohio, Miami University. So I'm a Red Hawk. And uh, four years there were probably the best four years of my life. And then uh, after college, I always knew I wanted to get into Washington, D.C., working in government, and had an opportunity to go work out there at Capitol Hill. Um, that was really fascinating. It was like working in a museum. But after doing that for a little while, I, I wanted to be closer to family. I was kind of out there by myself, had a lot of great friends, but knew I wanted to come back to Ohio and, and had a job opportunity here in Columbus. Uh, it was at the state treasury, which in some ways mixed politics and government, which I still liked, but at the same time, it was finance and numbers and money, and that was also kind of a passion area, and so I kind of jumped into it. I was at there for eight years, worked on a ton of really interesting projects, first of their kind initiatives that no one had really ever done before, like, in the, you know, not just in the state, but across the country and beyond, and so I was there for eight years and then had the opportunity after that, decided to kind of start my own business. Um, I had met my business partner working on one of those projects we did in the state treasury, where we made Ohio the first state in the country to accept cryptocurrency for tax payments. He was the fintech expert consultant that we hired on. And we kind of jumped feet first into starting our business at Greenblock, which we've been doing since uh, probably late January. And we work with companies, startups, organizations, nonprofits even, help them everything from PR to outsource CMO services, but really try to bring a fresh, new, innovative look to how they tell their story and their message to people. And it's been a really crazy ride going from zero clients to hopefully building a business that we can do it right here in Columbus. So it's been a lot of fun. So going back to Capitol Hill, you know, what were you doing out there and what did you say your degree was in? Yeah, so I was a political science major, which uh, looking back on it, there's probably a lot of other majors that, you know, would have been a little, a little better investment with time and money. But uh, I was political science and have always been really just like a history kind of government politics nerd. And so I had the uh, chance to go out and work there for a congressman. So I worked on Capitol Hill for a congressman. I was just 22, 23 years old, really young, didn't do anything important. But the really cool thing about Washington, Capitol Hill specifically, is it's really a place for young people. Most people that live and work out there are pretty young. Most people aren't from there. They're literally from across the country. So I always kind of like to say that working on Capitol Hill is like going to college again because people are literally coming from across the country and you know starting their careers together and i had three roommates they were all college buddies of mine next door there was a house you know four other guys that were kind of doing the same things we were working in the same type of industry you know it's an expensive city so you all have to have roommates and so you know it's like you're living in the dorms almost again but you have a real full-time job 40 hours a week five days or yeah five days a week and uh you just get to experience it it's like working in a museum and you get to see you know, what you do, even if it's a, you know, step or two away from the decision makers, uh, you get to see it on the nightly news. So it's kind of, you know, it's bigger than yourself and it's a lot of fun. And people ask what Washington's like, and it's, uh, it's uh, not so much the West Wing or uh, House of Cards, but it's more like Veep. And so it's kind of like a bit of a comedy. Uh, some folks like to take themselves a little too seriously, but there's still a lot of good people that do some really interesting work. And Going out there right out of college was always a goal of mine, and I was able to do it, and it was really fascinating, and I had the time of my life. 
I've never seen Veep, but I've seen House of Cards, and I like to continue to keep that as my imagination. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so. I my fiance has a cousin. He went out there to DC, and he got he was a little bit of shocked though by kind of like I've heard that the area surrounding DC can be pretty rough, and you know you would think that that would be one of the best places in the country to live, but a lot there's a lot of things surrounding DC and the area around DC is a lot of poverty, a lot of folks that are. In, Hard spot. Was there any bit of that shock when you got there, or was there anything that really surprised you about Capitol Hill? Yeah, absolutely. So I lived North Capitol Hill, and I was able actually to walk to work. So it was about 30 minutes door-to-door. 90% of it was a nice commute where I was walking by the Supreme Court and by, you know, the, the Capitol itself and, and uh, Union Station. So it was like, you know, where people go to vacation, that's where I worked and would walk every single day. Um, but the, the, the street and kind of the, the 10% of my walk where I lived um, was definitely a little rougher, definitely um, and what, you know, what we would call up and coming. And so I remember my mom dropping me off after college and she was like pretty nervous because it wasn't, wasn't really the best neighborhood. So it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting like confliction between, is your, your point exactly, like it's a center of power. It's like capital of the United States, the most wealthy, most powerful country in the world, but there's definitely pockets. In the past few years, there's been a ton of investment. So like the street I used to live on when it was rough 10 plus years ago, it, uh, it you know, now has a whole food and a Chick-fil-A. So, you know, the investment and the money and, and kind of, you know, the development have, have come, but historically Washington, there's been some pretty rough neighbors and there still are. And it's, it's, it's interesting and also in a lot of ways sad. So let's take it back and, and come to Columbus and talk about the, the thought that you had of creating your own company and kind of how that ideation became to a formation. Yeah, sure. So I was in the state treasury, like I said, for eight years. And really my portfolio there, I was the communications director and then later towards the end, the chief of staff. And so, you know, my background and kind of what I do is, is you know, combine PR and marketing and branding and partnership development and in, in how do you communicate and build and launch programs and initiatives and just tell people what you're doing. And, you know, like businesses, you know, who are, who are our stakeholders, who are our customers? Well, our customers were the 11 and a half million Ohioans. And so you have to figure out how to talk to all those people. And so I got to work on so many different things, everything from uh, putting the state's checkbook online and then we invited, you know, every single local government and school to do it. So that was a sales job to 3,900 plus local governments and schools to we created the nation's first savings and investments accounts for individuals with disabilities. So that's a completely different thing that we did. We, we launched innovative investment programs for municipalities. And then again, we put the, the state, we made Ohio the first state in America, one of the first governments in the world to accept cryptocurrency for tax payments. And as I was doing each of those, I kept, you know, because they're first their kind, we had to like be creative and think outside the box about how we could do it. And there weren't examples to look. Uh, especially within government. So we had to work with a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs, folks in places like Silicon Valley and Atlanta and et cetera, New York, et cetera, to, you know, to have some of those product and innovative solutions that we could use and tap into. So doing that, you know, I, I start to hear about, you know, venture and those types of things. And again, this is starting eight years ago and not coming from that background, that was totally new to me. And so seeing these entrepreneurs that were doing really cool things 
and then how we could take you know their solutions and then take it to a legacy organization like government which is theoretically like the slowest most boring place in the world but then have impactful solutions for our stakeholders which are the constituents and the the residents of ohio so seeing this i just kept seeing these opportunities and i've always wanted to do my own entrepreneurial thing didn't know what that would necessarily look like but then as on one of the projects i met my now business partner who was an outside consultant we hired he was doing his consulting and i was deciding you know hey i'm gonna go do mine we started working together on a few projects once i'd left the office and then we decided to jump in feet first together rebrand his company my company under one roof and kind of roll with it and that's what we do at you know the green block group and green block for short we take his background he's a fintech expert he's someone that has um you know he's he's started his own companies he's he's run a a hedge fund and, and venture type stuff and mine and kind of media and politics and communications and what we do is hopefully combine those two worlds which are very different but we hopefully do it in a way that makes things different and unique and kind of adds a fresh spin and approach by taking so many different disciplines and trying to run with them is kind of like one campaign so you were juggling both your full-time day job and the green block group at the same time before you branched out or did you no split off so i had to split off because you know you're working for the state you really can't be like doing a lot of you know Hmm. side jobs because you know there's a lot of kind of rules and regulations to make sure people aren't doing you know negative things essentially I was leaving the office and I was as in and so you know literally in the in the job one day and then the next day start this but with zero clients so it's, it's really it's not like I could like do a bunch of freelance work on the side um, and kind of like build it up it, it we started from complete scratch and so that that was really scary and again it was only about five and a half months ago at this point so we've come really a long way and, and have a really great group of clients and a pretty pretty diverse roster but yeah, so I left the job on like a Monday and then started the next thing on a Tuesday and then completely start fresh. What's ground zero look like? Where do you think, okay, now what, right? So you, you leave that Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing you probably had some sort of a plan in place, but things have a tendency to change when we sure. start getting started on something like this. So what did that transition look like? And when you started ground zero to today, how have things begun to change along the way? Yeah, the, the nice thing is that my business partner because he comes from the startup world, because he's you know he's raised money for hedge fund and a, and a venture fund, he has a world of connections, and and, and that's what I think re- really makes our partnership tremendous is because his strengths are completely different than mine, and so instead of being two guys trying to do like you know one job, he has his world that he comes from, and I have mine, and so you know probably the best you know asset to us that he was offering and still does is he just has a a, a wealth of contacts, and so. It was literally started just by us, you know, who do we know? Who do we know that run companies and who do we know that run organizations and that perhaps could be helpful? And, you know, even if they, you know, didn't want to hire us, we would just have conversations. I mean, we probably have had in the five or six months, you know, each of us probably average between four and 10 conversations a day, whether those are, you know, in-person coffees or taking someone out to lunch or just catching up with someone on the phone and saying, hey, is there something we can be helpful with? If there's not, do you know of someone that we could be helpful with and, and can you introduce us? And so it's just relying on our contacts. But I've, <laughs> I've always heard people say like, you shouldn't start your own, especially service provider business without like an anchor client or two. And I definitely see why, <laughs> because 
you have to pitch a lot of people. No one wants to be first. And so being first, you know, it requires people to put a lot of faith in you because you're not proven. Even though you've done great work, you know, in previous jobs, that doesn't mean your current one that you're looking to build is going to be any success. And, you know, they don't know if you'll be around in six months. And so luckily we had a couple um, really great client partners that took kind of a risk on us too. And, and, and we've, you know, are very thankful. And it's been something where hopefully we can grow and stay with them for a long time. And, and that was really kind of the validator for us that, hey, we're not crazy. Like we're actually doing something that resonates with people and is working. What are those first couple of projects like? Yeah. So first couple ones, we've we've worked with a real estate kind of they're, they're trying to uh, create a homeowner app where basically that you can go on the back end and manage everything from your home buying process through your entire um you know, the life cycle of your house. So essentially, if you're buying a house, you'll know exactly, you know, theoretically, if you don't buy a new home, you can see like when the AC has been replaced, when the water cooler, water heater, you know, this, the, all the stuff, you know, the roofing, like when have those things been done and you kind of have know who did it, when they did it. So they're creating this entire like technology platform that'll hopefully be with the life or the, the, the life cycle of the entire house. So it can change from owner to owner to owner. Uh, and those are some guys that we had known just, you know, for years and, they were spinning up a company and needed some help, and so we started working with them. Another big one we're working with is actually in the nonprofit sector, and they're an international wildlife conservation fund. So they partner, they're out of Washington, D.C. They partner with uh, on-the-ground groups and organizations in places like Central Africa, Cambodia, Belize. Big focus is like great apes, elephants, kind of marine wildlife. And so that was a real interesting one that we kind of knew someone that worked there and it just so happened that their needs aligned with us coming into business. And that was one of our first clients. And then we're actually working with a company out of Dallas, Texas, that they're trying to do a new spin to like the history channel. So, you know, if you go to the history channel, it's just like reality TV these days. Like I remember going during D-Day, I went to like go find a World War II movie and it was all like American pickers, like people going to like garage shops and like you know just bidding on stuff and it's like you guys don't even cover history anymore so they kind of want to take a new spin on it and make it millennial focused so you're able to kind of like one learn about history but do it in a manner that like most young people want to be interested in and follow and they use social media and they leverage technology so those are a few of our early ones and i'd say about half our clients are ohio based the other half are you know dc texas silicon valley and those types all right, Conquerors, we're going to take a quick break here in the show to tell you about a group called Columbus Gives Back. If you're looking for a way to get involved in your community, but you don't know where and how to start, look no further than Columbus Gives Back. By partnering with over 150 Central Ohio nonprofits, Columbus Gives Back makes volunteering fun and easy by offering 30 to 40 volunteer events each month that are free of cost, commitment, and hassle. Sign up for your first event today at columbusgivesback.org. That's columbusgivesback.org. Conquering Columbus would also like to take a moment to thank the 11th Candle Company. 11th Candle Company may be in the business of selling candles, but the social enterprise thrives on igniting hope. Employing women who have experienced human trafficking, 11th offers the resources to redeem, empower, and support them on their journeys to burn bright again. Every candle sold shines a light on an issue that often walks in darkness and provides hope to once trafficked women on their path to redemption. Come pour your own candle of hope at Polaris Fashion Place across from the Apple Store or visit www.11thcandlecompany.com. That's www.11thcandlecompany.com, and that'll be linked down in the show notes. All right, Conquerors, let's get back to this episode. So 
to the extent that you can, maybe talk a little bit more details about, like, for example, the company that was creating the asset database to pass over from homeowners. When they stepped in, they wanted to engage with you guys. What did that relationship look like? What did the first discussions look like? Did you guys know exactly where you were going to help them from day one? Uh, not necessarily. So a lot of it, you know, because we're in, you know, the PR, communications, kind of marketing space. So it's not necessarily like you know, an accountant. It's like, hey, I'm going to file your taxes and like these, you know, you know you need it. I, this is what I can do. And so a lot of it's trying to figure out where the right fit is. And there's been folks that we've, you know, had multiple conversations with and, you know, either us or them just determine like, hey, like this probably isn't the right fit because everyone has their expertise and, you know, we're not the guys to build websites or we're not, you know, certain digital things. Like we're not video production folks. So a lot of it's having conversations and just finding out what challenges of these companies that they are and, you know, seeing if we have, might have some solutions that we could try to see if we can help them with it. So coming in, you know, the, the real estate company, they're out of Cincinnati. And, you know, that was just having conversations. I'm saying, hey, where are you at in the life cycle of your company? What are you guys looking to do? And that's been like, you know, helping them everything from branding because they're a brand new firm and they're very great technologists. But, you know, we all have our strengths and theirs isn't necessarily that world where, hey, this is how you kind of design like everything from, you know, we help people with like pitch decks and making sure it's in the right spot so they can go in front of investors, building out their strategy and narrative of like, hey, who are you? Because, you know, we've worked with some folks when we come in and, you know, they'll tell us like what we do or what they do. And we'll say, okay, like perhaps like let's, you know, simplify it for these reasons or you're going in front of this target audience. Like this is how you should be talking about it. And we work with, you know, on communication strategies. And so, again, that can be everything from, you know, the branding aspect and, and as early as startup companies that are, you know, their pitch deck and they just don't even know how to do that or what messages to say all the way to fully outsourced CMO services for large organizations like that nonprofit that have been around for years. They just need help with the blocking, the tackling, the execution, and, and perhaps like figuring out what are some of these emerging digital trends, what are some of these emerging PR and marketing efforts that they can leverage to, you know, kind of grow their voice and get a bigger market share of, you know, attention towards them. So looking into the future, right? Right now, you mentioned you have a few clients lined up. Are things starting to stabilize? Are we starting to get to a point where we're looking towards the future or are we still kind of in that stage of we need more customers growth 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 yeah no i think um things are definitely in a good spot we're not building this to just have it be like a two-person shop where it's like a lifestyle company and we kind of keep it at one level and that's it we both have you know a shared vision that we want to turn this into you know an agency where we have an entire team that we can provide great you know, customer service and, and, and expertise and, and help build impactful campaigns for companies that are looking to tell their story in a better way. And so we're kind of at that point where, you know, knock on wood, we've luckily built up a good level of business and we have some clients engaged with some contracts that kind of let us look three, four, five, six months down the road. And so we're kind of getting to the point where when is the right time to bring on more people? And that's something we both, you know, my partner Ari and I, we're both very, you know, as much as we want to grow, we want to do it in a responsible, you know, way. We don't want to just hire people to hire people. Like we want to do it that, you know, it, it helps our current clients and it allows us to continue growing our business. And so if I had to suspect, um, you know, in probably the next three months or so, we'll probably start to look to hire people. What that looks like, I don't know. He's My partner's based in Cleveland. I'm based here, but this is... Columbus is where we're going to like build the company. 
I've, you know, made this my home and this is where I think I'll be for, you know, hopefully a couple more decades before, you know, whatever, wherever life takes me. But this is the place where we want to build it when we hire people and open up our own physical shop with, you know, an entire team. We want to do it in Columbus. And I think that just fits well for what we're doing for, you know, just how the city is growing and, and there's just so much opportunity and people are moving here. And it's, you know, again, I'm not from here. I didn't grow up here. I didn't go to Ohio State. I just moved here for a job and I've loved it. And so, you know, it's kind of us, me specifically, placing a bet on Columbus and, and seeing if we can be a part of the community and hopefully build something here and create some jobs. What do you foresee and, and what do you think your partner foresees some of the biggest challenges you move forward being? Yeah, I think the, the biggest one is, and we talk, you know, every morning we have a call between the two of us because we're, we're not you know, physically in the same city unless we're working together for, for whatever reason. So every morning we have a call first thing. And we always talk about first and foremost, how we're going to deliver value for our current clients for the day. So, you know, growth is great, but it's like any company, you don't want it at the expense of the people that, you know, are, are your paying clients and your partners at the moment, because without them, we're nothing. And if, you know, we don't do a good job for them and lose a bunch, you know, it we're back to square one. So it, it, the biggest thing I think, whether for us or any company is just focusing on, you know, what's in front of you and not letting, you know, what I need to get done today for the sake of, Hey, where do I, we hope to be in three months. So our biggest thing is just making sure that we continue doing great work and don't go out and like try to sell too much in the sense of all of a sudden we sign a bunch of clients. We can't service any of them. Well, you know, we're at like 70% as opposed to like, I would rather be exceptional for a smaller amount and we can grow at a bit at slower rate just for the sake of making sure that we're always providing value for those that we work with. That makes a lot of sense. And I think a uh, good place to kind of pivot towards some of the last questions of the show. I guess I'm curious about your personal goals for the future, right? So company goals and personal goals, typically in this situation for an entrepreneur like yourself are lined up pretty well, but any any key personal goals you got on the horizon? Yeah, I would um, love to buy a house in Columbus. <laughs> I, I live in Grandview, but I rent an apartment. A year or two ago, I wasn't quite sure if I would stay in Columbus. I mean, I had a job offer in D.C. After I was leaving my job, I had a job offer in Nashville. And so yeah, I, I was kind of putting that on hold. I mean, I'm a millennial, and I'm someone that, you know, home ownership is a big, you know, that that's something that I'm, in a lot of ways passionate about. And there's actually some interesting stuff happening here in Columbus on that topic. Different startups and some like community business leaders that are hopefully trying to tackle it. So there's this study that came out recently that if you make the average, kind of the medium salary and the, you know, you buy an average house, it's gonna take you 13 years in Columbus to save up for it, which 13, that's a long time. But if you compare it to other cities across the country, I think Los Angeles and San Francisco are like 40 and 43 years respectively. And that's just like absurd. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you either need help from like, you have to win the lottery or you have to have like a really rich parent. And like most people can't do that. So home ownerships and, and finding innovative solutions and smart cities and planning around it, that's something that I'm interested in because I come from like a policy background. And so figuring out like what that looks like. But so to kind of get off topic, homeowner, I'd love to buy a house here. Um, I love living in Grandview and I'd love to buy a house in Grandview. So that's kind of a, you know, hopefully we get the business, you know, in a good place where I feel like that's a, <laughs> not, not a dumb idea. Right. Right. Well, that's, I think that's a good goal. I've got the same goal on my list. So yeah, on that note, I guess a lot of our listeners are young professionals, entrepreneurs, folks that are aspiring entrepreneurs and 
haven't made the leap yet and as somebody who kind of just made that jump you have any advice for folks out there thinking about it um i would say do it if you have the opportunity i mean just full disclosure the reason i did it is because i had a you know and a good job and i had a good job it was a good salary very good benefits but I knew I always wanted to try something like this, but I'm not married yet, don't have a kid yet, and don't have a house. So, you know, I rent and that's kind of my only like true expense. And so I kind of put myself in that position where if I ever wanted to try it, it would be easy because I can't imagine trying to start literally from scratch with, you know, if I had a, a mortgage and a family with multiple kids at home, that just, that would, I mean, it, being an entrepreneur and, and starting your own thing is already very scary, but to do that with all of those, you know, responsibilities would, would seem, you know, that's really, really tough. And so people that do it with, you know, that in their, you know, personal background or, you know, the, the realities, I, they're much more brave than I am, but I would say, give it a try. You know, I, I trying to figure out what I wanted to do after, you know, being the chief of staff at the Ohio treasury, I had conversations with tons of people at big companies, small companies, at startups again, in and outside of Columbus. And I just thought like, if I didn't give it a try, it probably something that I would regret in 15 or 20 years. Cause I can always go get, you know, if we fall on our face, it's going to stink, but I can always go get a real job. And you know, I, I think that it was worth a shot. I'm glad I'm doing it. That doesn't mean to say that there's nights where I, ha I even have a good day and I just lay in bed looking at the ceiling thinking, what the heck did I do? And, you know, I, I don't have that 401k match anymore and I'm paying health care out of my own pocket and I'm a complete idiot. But uh, it, it, so far, I'm really enjoying it, even if it is a bit scary. So if, if people have the opportunity or if they have the passion, I'd say try it. I think that's good advice. And, I, and the last question of our show is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that phrase, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, how does it apply to your life and career? I would say when I hear that, it, uh, it kind of tells me that, you know, go outside your boundaries and your comfort zones. It's very easy. And I say this as someone who, you know, working in steady jobs for 99.9% .9 of my career, I fell into that trap all the time where I would just get up, go to work, come home, maybe go to the gym, watch Netflix and go to bed. And I wasn't pushing myself. I wasn't, you know, learning anything on the side. I wasn't developing new skills. I wasn't trying to build something. I wasn't, you know, I was just going about the routine. And I think to kind of live uncomfortably and push yourself outside of your boundaries, it's like, try something new. And again, and I'm not, I'm not a role model for, for, for that to, because I, I've, I've definitely been in that rut where, you just kind of go about your life and it's very easy, especially like living in Ohio in the winter. It's horrible. Like, you know, it's, it's very cold and it gets dark very early and it's very easy to just kind of go home and go through the motions every day. So I, that's something I try to remind myself and, and definitely with this new, you know, venture that we spun up it, you know, every day it, you have to go out and just do things that you don't necessarily love or enjoy or, you know, going out and meeting new people, doing new things, taking prospective clients out to lunch and trying to ask them for business. That's an uncomfortable thing. And it's not that I, again, I, I probably don't excel at it as much as most people, but you just kind of have to get up and show up every single day and just hopefully like make a little bit of progress and just keep trying and keep trying something new. And so I think that, uh, just, it, it's always, always try to get better every day. And that's, again, not that I have that answered, but uh, I think that's probably a good place to try to start. 
Well, Chris, that's a great answer, and thanks a lot for taking the time to tell your story on the show. We had a lot of fun learning more about the Green Block Group and everything you guys have going on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Perfect. And Conquerors, thanks a lot for tuning in. That was Chris Berry of the Green Block Group. If you guys want to learn more about him or their team, check out the links down in the show notes. As always, if you enjoyed that episode, leave us a like, share us on Facebook with your friends, give us a rating on iTunes. All that support is huge for us. And again, thanks so much for tuning in every week. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like, share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is small B I Z cares.org Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state, and you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.